it's like rainy and cozy outside nice. so i'm like embracing that very excited so cold here <laughs> so cold yeah i bet it's like beyond a cozy so i'm glad that you've got the cozy vibes today yeah it's like just cozy or just warm enough where i can keep the window open and it not be like totally freezing nice nice yeah with like a nice little blanket it's like perfect <laughs> so comfy and warm <laughs> mm -hmm. hello everyone and welcome to the show i'm blair and i'm kirsten and we are mediocre Content. Content. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, I got distracted from by my cat. No, it's like, fine. I'll just say it myself. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, this I, like, is Kirsten, and <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't. I like totally. I was like, I said my part. I'm done now. <laughs> How does this thing work again? <laughs> oh, no. Wow, we've been doing it for long enough. We um, have. We have uh great well anyway since um since it's just me i hope you guys had a great valentine's day <laughs> welcome all to the week right. after yeah welcome <laughs> to the week after yeah i hope all of you also got all the discount candy that you wanted yes um and sometimes they even have it like weeks after so check like your cvs your walgreens's mm -hmm. walmart's they've got it so grab it right. oh and also put that stuff in the freezer because if you put like reese's in the freezer or like uh chocolate in the freezer it's so good when when you eat it straight out of the freezer speaking of things that are good out of the freezer Chris and okay. I went to a that you just triggered something in my brain. Um, so yesterday, Chris and I went to this golf event um, and it was really fun. We walked around. He had a great time. I got to drink some drinky drinks and be like the wife that was like pulled around the event. But it was fun. We had a great time. Um, and we so we took a shuttle to the actual like golf course because mm -hmm. parking was ridiculous and then we took a shuttle back and the in the parking lot of where our car was there were girl scouts selling oh, girl scout cookies and i'm yeah. like first of all respect the marketing because Indeed. all these people who are tired and want a little treat for the ride home mm -hmm. you got them you do second of all um you know I love a good Girl Scout cookie. So, of yeah. course, we got the, I guess they're called Caramel Delights now or Samoas okay. or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah Samoas, like whatever yeah. the coconutty ones are. So, we got those. We also got Thin Mints, obviously. Obviously. Um, And we put them in the freezer and I'm so excited because Look, today I get to eat them. That's amazing. That's what I we did. I Can I just say kudos to the Girl Scouts working through the winter, especially mm -hmm. where we are in the Northeast, because mm -hmm. they are literally outside every corner right now, every weekend, mm -hmm. selling the heck out of some Girl Scout cookies. Okay. Where are the Boy Scouts? Inside with their buttered popcorn. All right. right. These girls are on the streets for those cookies. On the streets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we also, so Tyler likes the tagalongs, but now I think they call them peanut butter patties, but it's the same yeah. thing. Sure, yeah. And I don't then know why they changed? I mean, I, I get know. why they changed the Samoa name because it's a little bit uh, problematic. But oh. the other ones because it's like a native oh. group Samoan. Of yeah. Uh. Um. But I feel like Tagalong is a pretty like regular name. Well, also, so since they converted them to peanut butter patties, this has been the biggest debate. And uh, people who are very passionate about Girl Scout cookies can let me know if my husband's on crack or not. Mm. But his whole thing is, first of all, they got rid of a row. So there used to be five rows. Now there's four. That is correct. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. also they shrunk the cookie size down and you don't get as many per row, apparently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's also true. The peanut butter to chocolate ratio has also kind of been a little miffy. So if you don't get the original boxes that say tagalongs and you get the peanut butter patties, the newer ones, you're just like not getting the same experience, apparently. That I'm not sure because I've never really been a tagalong yeah, fan. Yeah. Um, but I do know in the caramel delights mm -hmm. and the, the mint 
Thin Mints. Mm-hmm. It's it's highway robbery. Is it what is. It is. And now they're $5 a box. Yeah. So ours, how much did we pay? We paid for two boxes. We paid $12. Oh, wow. So y'all's are $6. They're so so used to be like $4 a box here. They're $5 there. They're $6 like girls. Well, it's that California um, economy, you know, gotta, gotta make the money. Mixed with shrinkflation. I'm real sad about it. I know. I don't even really eat Girl Scout cookies myself anymore, but it is sad to see. This is the first time I've actually purchased Girl Scout cookies since (laughs) I would say like four years ago or something like that, just because the opportunity presented itself and it was just there. But like, typically we just, we don't because it's dangerous, right? Like we, (laughs) we came home and got rid of one box already. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like immediately we walked in the door. We're like Girl Scout cookies. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, how can you not just eat an entire row of Thin Mints by yourself? I don't really understand why you wouldn't do that. I know. It's like chips. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Chips are my crutch. (laughs) I agree. I I guess we should have disclaimered that, too, uh, (laughs) because if you don't have Girl Scout cookies, I'm so sorry. and we are experts on Girl Scout cookies, so. Are we? Oh, I yeah. would not consider myself a Girl Scout cookie expert. I would consider myself a um, a lover and fan, but mm. not an expert. You know, one thing, so we got um, some for some of our friends that were asked, I think, I don't remember who it was that asked for these, but they're like, oh, I want the lemon ones. They usually have like two different kinds of lemon ones. I have uh-huh. never heard of these. They're like lemonades and they didn't have the other ones. Those are... Those are fairly new, I think. Oh, okay. Within, they were introduced within the last five years. Oh, all right. Yeah. 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 Maybe we should do a podcast on the history of the Girl Scouts oh, and Boy Scouts. Oh, a thousand percent. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. Oh, my gosh. Okay, add I'll it put it back. I'll add it, add to, it the to the list. list. We'll do, like, a history of the Girl Scouts or, like, history of the Boy Scouts or something like that. So, <laughs> I just want to do the cookie. Like, I just oh, – episode focused on the cookies, I feel like, is perfect. <laughs> history of girl boy scouts so we'll do like the first half could be like the girl scouts their history and the cookies and then the second one true we'll give to the boy scouts and their popcorn escapades that's right yeah okay well anyway yeah. i guess we'll do right. we'll do this one first though <laughs> yeah let's do this one um shout out to you for like this lovely name that you decided oh, to name it the thank you among us <laughs> i, I love was good. that so much it's very good um okay so obviously we are not experts on anything kirsten's an expert on girl scout cookies but i just learned <laughs> that today so i didn't know previous Facts. to this um if you have come to the podcast to get any kind of advice we are not the place to get that um but we are the place to learn about things and we encourage you to do your own research and let us know what you find yeah afterwards um yeah, you know, same as always, Kirsten. Mm-hmm. Go oh. with the good. Go and go with the good right. news now. I've got the good news. Go forth. <laughs> go <good> forth. <laughs> I shall. <laughs> um, so today, one of our good news has to do with batteries, um, which we've actually talked about batteries when it comes to Tesla um, before. Mm-hmm. And I think Blair, you still have your Tesla, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> the great thing about batteries these days, whether it's Tesla or like the things you put in your TV remote, um, is the getting rid of them and like the recycling of them once their time is done on this earth. Mm-hmm. Um, because their time actually does not end on this earth. It's very toxic to get rid of them. It's <laughs> very yeah. toxic for the earth. I'm right. really sad. <laughs> so... So obviously we're trying to fix that and our strive for always being proactive with our environment. And it sounds like we've got kind of a better horizon coming for batteries. So these are called solid state EV batteries and they overcome safety and climate concerns of the lithium ion battery, which is what we use currently. And they also are able to charge faster and last longer. So even though they are also safer for the climate, they will also be less impactful over long periods of time as well. So these have emerged as a promising advancement that could revolutionize the electric vehicle industry and making EVs even cleaner and more sustainable than they are today. 
What is pushing this innovation are, of course, the drawbacks to the lithium-ion batteries. Uh, they have limited energy storage. They are flammable, concerning. They have short lifespans and, of course, that really big carbon footprint due to the mining of lithium and other heavy metals. Um, and they don't say it in this article, but also trying to get rid of them and like remove them from the environment is really toxic. Solid state batteries address many of these issues by replacing the liquid electrolyte in lithium ion batteries with a solid electrolyte, cutting the risk of fire and allowing for more storage. The solid state batteries have a low carbon footprint while providing these longer lifespans, so they're more durable and sustainable for EV options. Emagazine.com reported that solid state batteries use fewer materials and could reduce climate impacts by 39%, which is massive, compared to lithium ion batteries. Keep in mind, if these are being used in vehicles, that means your range for travel has also increased. So that's exciting. Uh, our climate would significantly benefit from a move to solid state batteries, especially because EV sales are skyrocketing because everybody wants to be more climate friendly. Yes. So far, Toyota is actually one of the leaders in the race to develop these solid state batteries. After discovering a technological breakthrough in June, they said that this month they were accelerating development to launch solid state EV batteries with 10 minute fast charging in a 750 mile range wow that's intense that's like double exactly um of course we're still a little bit away from that there this is just our most recent finding and they're still doing a lot of research around it but volkswagen hyundai nissan and honda are also in the development stage for these so we're all kind of working together to try and find the best fit for this issue nice in Taiwan, there's a startup called Prologium, and they have ramped up its gigascale solid state battery factory for the delivery uh, to electric vehicle manufacturers this year with plans for a second factory opening in France. Other companies, uh, Schaeffler, which works with Honda, Solid Energy Systems, QuantumScape, Solid Power, Scylla Nanotechnologies, Albemarle, and Ilka, are dedicated exclusively to developing these types of batteries so that they can be mass produced inexpensively because the other thing is of course cost when something new hits the market since it's not circulated it's a lot of upfront charge and not a lot of profit That's right. companies still want to make profit so um so this is wonderful many other advancements in these batteries are documented and um they're making it a, a greener environment in terms of the vehicles that they're going to be part of their production etc but also their recyclability and their impact after they're done being used so glad they're able to tackle both yeah love that yeah in that range oh my god so i like, know that's intense so like for right now it's double like, what, what i have right now and it's like 250 right 275 or something yeah on a good day if you fully charge you can get to about like 300 i would okay. say okay so it is about like nice about half yeah that's awesome yeah that'd be awesome um unrelated to batteries <laughs> completely so complete 180 um i wanted to talk about the sea cow <laughs> we love a good sea cow I'm telling you so thousands of manatees are now converging in a florida state park to keep warm um, and this has essentially caused a record-breaking sighting of so many manatees in one place, which is so cool. So at Blue Springs State Park in Florida, rangers and wildlife biologists have been bowled over by the number of manatees coming into the park's warm and shallow lagoons to wait out the winter. Nice. <laughs> so cute. You should see the picture. They've got like an aerial picture and it just looks like a bunch of logs, but it's all manatees. <laughs> They're so cute. Yeah. Um, the park has been a refuge for animals against sudden cold snaps for decades, and it's tradition for rangers to take a manatee count every winter. I would this love to do that. Can I know. That can I job? be that person? <laughs> I would love that. This year, the numbers were higher than ever before, with no morning being more memorable than January 21st. So this was like 
about a week or so ago. Um, on that day, 932 manatees were found throughout the lagoons and 200, this is 200 more than the highest previously recorded aggregation, which is just what they call, I know, win for the manatees. We would love an applause. Yes, we love it. Okay. Despite their large, rotund bodies, <laughs> which is so rude, first of all. I mean, it, <laughs> portly. <laughs> portly. <laughs> Poor manatees, man. Um, manatees have just one inch of fat, actually, and they can survive in water that's colder than 68 degrees Fahrenheit indefinitely. So when winter weather drops water temperatures, of course, the sea cows... Um, uh, because of their gentle kind of grazing demeanor, they seek out these warmer waters further inland. Uh, the fact that so many were able to come to Blue Springs is really encouraging, says Cora Burcham, who is a manatee research associate down there. And talking with NPR, Burcham explained that it means that they have a good intergenerational understanding of their environment, increasing the odds of intergenerational survival mm -hmm. from similar weather events. Because keep in mind, this isn't like, oh, it's got gotten chilly, so they're migrating. No, it snapped cold and they're like, oh, and they just like, gotta go, <laughs> gotta get out of here. So With their big old flipper tail. It's <laughs> so cute. So cute. So in general, across Florida, there is between seven to 11,000 manatees. So, um, you know, this is a significant increase from 50 years ago when they only numbered to about a thousand there. So we have yeah. skyrocketed <laughs> the number yes. of the manatees there. I love that for us. I know. They're so Good job, cute. Florida. You did one <laughs> thing right. <laughs> they manage now if we can only get the swamp puppies up <laughs> that's all i'm saying or those freaking iguana lizard things oh my gosh i i truly yeah. enjoyed living in florida i'm gonna i'm so excited uh because we're gonna get the uh warnings about the iguanas in the trees that are just I like can't. <laughs> so, i i feel uh, like we've talked about this on the pod before but for have, those that weren't here we're gonna bring it up again though <laughs> traumatizing so funny so i used to live in florida and we weren't in an area thankfully where iguanas were very prominent we were on the west side and but on the east side <laughs> if there's like a cold snap there the other thing that happens is you get what is equivalent to an amber alert amber alert or like a weather alert but it's to prevent you from standing under palm trees where iguanas have essentially frozen because they're you know they're reptiles cold, and reptiles they're cold. are cold-blooded yeah so they freeze and they can fall out of the tree and they've literally knocked people unconscious before <laughs> and, so. well and these are like big <laughs> they reptiles. Are. they're like they're at least three feet yeah long and mm -hmm. probably i would imagine like 20 pounds at also least also pretty solid yeah <laughs> So if you're ever in Florida in the uh -huh. winter, you may get that alert if you've got them on your phone. And just be careful because they do, they climb trees. That's just what they do. So they're hanging yeah. out. They're trying to get closer to the sun. So they're hanging on the branches. And if they freeze up, they just mm -hmm. whoop. <laughs> you might get knocked out by an iguana. <laughs> yeah. We, during training trip one year mm -hmm. um, in college for swim team, we mm -hmm. went to Florida and instead of like, one of our activities like for our fun day was mm -hmm. paddle boarding in the Everglades oh, and it so was fun. fun or was it the ever it might have just been like some sort of like waterway or something but it was it was fun we had a lovely time but we did see multiple mm -hmm. iguanas in the trees and that did freak me out I did not <laughs> I love it they're like yeah. you know it's just like a just like a squirrel in your tree here I don't <laughs> Same, same. First of all, reptiles for me, other, if it's not a turtle, I don't want it. Like oh, I just, okay. reptiles in general, I'm not a huge fan. Make reptile pod series. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's, that's the good news. Manatees, watch out for iguanas. We're going to talk about mushrooms. We're going to talk about mushrooms and we're going to talk about the science part of mushrooms and how they have been integrated into our lives. Um, and we're also going to talk about the trendiness of mushrooms in multiple ways um, mm -hmm. in the second half. So stay tuned for that. So fun. Yes. And so without further ado, 
delicious, deadly, magical, intoxicating, and mysterious. Throughout Trippy. history, mushrooms, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Darn it. Throughout history, mushrooms have gained many varying reputations, considered both food and foe. Mm. Um, today, it's easy for us to find safe, tasty mushrooms, but it hasn't always been that way. Um, over the years, some people have scavenged for mushrooms or, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to, I, the first thing that came to my mind was like hunting for mushrooms, but like, you can't really <laughs> hunt for mushrooms. Let me go get my bow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, and they've thrown caution to the wind and sometimes mm-hmm. people have died from eating mushrooms that they thought were good and were not. Mm-mm. So. It also gives food safe mushrooms a bad reputation because then people start thinking that mm-hmm. all mushrooms are bad. So there's two different categories of people typically, which are mycophiles, which people who love mushrooms and mycophobes, which are people who fear mushrooms. And then there's people who are like kind of in the middle who like yeah. don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> which one are you? I would say I don't love mushrooms in food. It's not like my favorite thing, but I'll eat them mm-hmm. if they're like in a salad or on pizza or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't go out into the world and like try and eat mushrooms in oh, my backyard. Yeah, no. Like yeah. there's a lot of them here because the climate is more like mm-hmm. Northwestern vibe. So there's more like rain and like yeah. fungus-y kind of mm-hmm. plants. So yeah. I don't know. It's not a, I don't know. I agree. Fine. Yeah. I think they're important, but I don't, you know, they're not my fave. I'm not seeking them out for a snack. Yeah, exactly. Um, so mushrooms are often lumped into the vegetable category, though. Most of us know they're actually a fungus. Hence the title that Kirsten worked so hard on. (laughs) Um, today, the most commonly consumed variety is the button mushroom or the agaricus by by Boris. Cute. Yeah, there's a lot of scientific names. Just I'm doing the best I can. You're doing great. Um, which makes up about 40% of the mushrooms grown around the world. Okay. So the button mushroom, very popular. <laughs> the name mushroom has been given to over 38,000 varieties of fungus that possess the same thread-like roots and cap. It's got a hat. It does have a hat. Um, and it's so cute. So cute. Um, these threads sometimes referred to as gills less cute which less yeah not as fun (laughs) hate that not as fun are responsible for giving mushrooms like portobellos their meaty taste and texture Mm. as air passes through the threads moisture evaporates giving the mushroom a rich hardiness that you can sink your teeth into who wrote this article uh it was like a food blogger <laughs> oh okay. there, there really, it is okay i really like it yeah wow <laughs> I was like this seems really like fun yeah this is more of like a blog style i love this um, i love it yeah yeah i don't love gills neither do i <laughs> everything else thus far has been okay <laughs> yeah a great deal of mystery surrounding mushrooms stems from their association with poisonings and accidental deaths the famous philosopher, French philosopher Voltaire, was once quoted as saying, a dish of mushrooms changed the destiny of Europe. And he was referring <laughs> to the war of Aust- the war of Austrian succession that followed the death of the Holy Roman Emperor King Charles VI. The king's untimely demise may have been a result of eating amanita or death cap mushrooms. <laughs> On the other hand, mushrooms have also been praised for their medicinal properties thanks to their heavy dose of protein, potassium, polysaccharide, and polysaccharides, which contribute to a healthy immune function. Hmm. Of course, you can't have a conversation about mushrooms without touching the intoxicating (laughs) variety through which, which is Kirsten's favorite, through which we may... uh, associate hallucinogenic mushrooms with the culture of the 1960s archaeological evidence suggests that these types of mushrooms served religious and spiritual purposes in centuries earlier call them what you want (laughs) siberian shamans and vikings are believed to have consumed hallucinogenic uh fly agaric amanita muscaria uh mushrooms 
during religious ceremonies. According to the Mixtec Vienna Codex, uh, which is 13 to 15 centuries AD, mind-altering mushrooms were used in religious ceremonies in ancient Mexico. Roman Catholic priests, here we go, also observed and recorded the consumption of hallucinogenic mushrooms by native peoples after the conquest of Mexico in 1519. Now, my question is... Mm, There's only one? (laughs) Well, so after the effects of mushrooms had worn off, the natives would discuss their visions of the future. And, like, my question is, are the Roman Catholic priests they had to be partaking in the mushrooms as oh, well. Oh, absolutely. They Are you kidding? Just, like sit there and be like, we're just going to watch these no natives ones. do this. Like, no, they would no. be like, well, I want to see the future. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like I want to talk directly to God. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So we know now that these effects were not caused by magic, but rather the cyclo- psilocybin and found in some of my, in some mushrooms which is like the neurotoxin oh great that, like, causes the hallucination that's like great also i want you to know that they're not my favorite because i'm doing mushrooms but they're my favorite because i enjoy the stories around people doing the mushrooms. i was going to i was going to be clarifying that yeah no, it's totally fine but also yeah. i feel like mayhaps does does Sila how do you say it psilocybin uh-huh. does that have long lasting effects for how long you do those since it's technically a neurotoxin i did not i did not get that far i i use the term neurotoxin loosely i don't sure. think that i i don't know if that's correct but oh. i'm assuming that if it's a if it's a hallucinogenic hallucinogen i'm assuming it's like a neurotoxin or something like that affects your brain right yeah 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 are you looking it up? I am. <laughs> good, good. I am. Because that's what I was going to do next. It's considered a psychedelic. Psychedelic. There, That's the word I was looking for. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. No. Sorry. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah it's, um. Neurotoxin yeah. is more like Botox. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, I guess that's what it is. I don't know just gives you a good time i guess yeah 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 i guess i don't really know i mean we all have those people in our lives that oh, microdose yeah. mushrooms and you know we're still questioning their sanity so I don't know. <laughs> all right um let's see where was i uh, for centuries, relatively little known was known about mushrooms, and for a long time, the eastern half of the world was considered mostly uh, mushroom-loving, and the west was more mushroom-freaked out. Um, <laughs> and not, like, hallucinating, but, like, did not like <laughs> mushrooms. They were whacked out! <laughs> this all changed when the French introduced mushrooms into their cuisine. Mm-hmm. It wasn't mm-hmm. long before the rest of the world began to embrace the mushroom. By the late 19th century, Americans were cooking with mushrooms in their own kitchens. Prior to this time, mushrooms were mainly reserved for use in condiments. Um, inspired by the French, Americans took mushrooms to a whole new level of devotion. Um, clubs dedicated to foraging, identifying, and cooking various varieties of fungi began popping up all over the country. Even today, locally foraged mushrooms are worth their weight in gold. Just as just ask any mushroom hunter in in the search for morals after spring after a spring rain shower. Hmm. Sounds so poetic. Are um, you? I'm so sorry. Yes. Do you cover shiitakes in this? Um, I think we talk about it a little bit later, okay. but not then like I'll... specifically. Oh, okay. I'll reserve. I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I've derailed you once again. You have. You have indeed <laughs> derailed me sorry. once again. I'm so sorry. Um, <sighs> even today, let's see. Um, if there's a crown jewel in the realm of fungi, it is the truffle. Oh, that's a mushroom? Referred, yes. Oh. Yes. Referred to as the diamond of the kitchen by famous French French gastronome, which is a cool <laughs> word. He's a gnome. <laughs> I love I love this word because 
I would never think to use it, but it totally makes sense because he's not Absolutely. a chef. He just likes food. So yeah. he is a gastronome. Yeah. Uh, Jean Atelime Briant Saverin. Nice. Uh, truffles yeah. are one of the most expensive foods in the world. They grow near tree roots, most often oak, hazel, beech, and chestnut, about three to 12 inches below ground. They are sniffed out by dogs and pigs that have been trained to recognize the truffle's distinct odor. Once a truffle has been located, the truffle—I can't even say that—truffle <laughs> farmer, they will very carefully clean the surrounding area to check for ripeness. It is important to never touch the truffle with your bare hands because it can ah. cause the fungi to rot in those ah. areas. What do you do? Wear gloves? Or yes, yes. Ah. If the truffle, or use like a some type of gardening instrument. Oh, sure. Something. Yeah. If the truffle is not yet ripe for the picking, it is recovered and recovered and left to to reach maturity. This long and labor intensive process is the reason behind the hefty price tag. Mm -hmm. Also, at this time, I would like to say that Trader Joe's has a truffle ketchup and it is so good. Yeah. That is, is it all. expensive, though? I mean, it's not outrageously expensive. Mm. It's not like $30 for a bottle of ketchup. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> but it's probably more than like the regular Heinz ketchup oh, yeah, that you get yeah, at the yeah, store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as America's interest in mushrooms grew, entire cookbooks were devoted to them. One of the first English language mushroom cookbooks is Kate Sargent's 100 Mushroom Recipes. Mm. In, and it was developed in 1899. Wow. Sargent's work includes some fabulous Harry Potter sounding recipe titles, including the Corpornus Comatus Soup, which is a <laughs> shaggy mane mushroom soup. Wingardium um, Leviosa. That's right. Lipota <laughs> Grossera Stew and Baked Trichoma, trichoma <laughs> Personatum. I don't know. <laughs> I feel the like books... I just got hexed. <laughs> I know. I feel like I just summoned a demon. You definitely did. In the book's introduction, Sargent describes the changing American attitude towards mushrooms at the turn of the century. And I quote, The general opinion in this country regarding mushrooms has been that with one or two exceptions, all forms of fungus growth are either poisonous or unwholesome. But it is which is interesting to me because unwholesome means that like maybe some religion was like fungus is bad for you. They are anyway, the demons. <laughs> uh, but it is very gratifying to observe the change that is rapidly taking place in the public mind. Soon public opinion will acknowledge that it is an established fact that the great majority of the larger fungus funguses, especially those that grow in fields and other open places um, is not only wholesome, but highly nutritious. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> also, I would just like to now state that I did watch an episode of D Dirty Jobs with Mike Lowe, that, <laughs> and he did go to a mushroom farm. Yeah. And I don't know if this will deter anyone. It probably will. Um, basically, they just have piles of manure. Mm-hmm. And they let the, the, the mushrooms grow in the manure. And that is a mushroom farm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so all that to say, wash your mushrooms. <laughs> First step, clean mushroom poo. <laughs> and that is all I have to say about that. Perfect. Thank you for that lovely fact. I will You're never so eat welcome. one ever again. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, Sargent also acknowledges the mushrooms status as the meatiest of vegetables. Oh, please don't say that. Is, debatable like <laughs> as someone who was a vegetarian for at least i think it was like four years um no no mushroom <laughs> like you know how they have like the portobello mushroom yeah, burgers it's and just stuff. not the same it's not the same and it's, it's i wouldn't even same. say meaty and the the texture is not it's like slimy <sighs> yeah. it's not depending on the type that you get like the it's not yeah. I would not categorize meat as rubber and slightly slimy texture. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I just haven't had like a good one, a good like mushroom Maybe. experience when they're trying to like fool it as yeah. meat. 
but I don't know. Anyway, um, let's see. So mushrooms are considered meaty vegetables. Uh, and it seems that Sargent was ahead of her time today. Many vegetarians replaced beef in their hamburgers with a seasoned roasted portobello cap. It's, it's fine. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite. I, even though I think that the impossible and beyond burgers are like way worse for you in terms of like processing and all that kind of stuff, it still tastes way better it than does. a portobello mushroom. That's I would I prefer a spicy black bean burger over a mushroom burger. I agree. I agree. Because I feel like the spicy black bean has more of that meaty texture than a mushroom yes. does. I would also say that's true. Yeah, I agree. Um, and sometimes even like the veggie burgers that are just like soy protein oh, and, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, whatever else they put in it, probably yeah. like broccoli and edamame sure. or whatever. Those are good, too. Yeah. I would yeah. take that over a mushroom cap any day as well. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. So we are not fans of the mushroom burger here <laughs> at Mediocre Content Podcast. Sorry about it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So some of the earliest American mushroom recipe preparations were for mushrooms baked on toast in cream sauce, which actually doesn't sound that bad. Mm-hmm. In the studies of American fungi from 1911, Sarah Tyson Rower suggests baking the mushroom under a glass bell. The bell was then lifted at the dinner table so that the eater could get the full aroma and flavor of the mushroom. If you like to make similar vintage mushroom recipes with or without glass bell, this try this one from Cooking Club magazine published in... 1908. I will not be including that. I am so sorry. I didn't realize that was in the article. Um, But you can find that recipe online, I'm sure, somewhere. Do mushrooms smell? Yeah. In the wild. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I was like, I've never opened a package of mushrooms and been like, what is that smell? (laughs) I, I firmly believe that Americans don't know how to do mushrooms very well (laughs) when you say it like that it's a bit strange but yeah sure you know what i mean like cook cook mushrooms i'd say we're pretty good at it (laughs) not the drug kind but we'll get to that okay get to that and i have something to add to that too which would be fun okay okay Okay. all right so we're gonna take a break and then we're gonna talk about what mushrooms you can eat and ones you probably shouldn't eat and ones that will give you the hallucinogens So stick around. (laughs) We'll be right back. Hello. This podcast is sponsored by the Tooth Fairy, Santa, the Easter Bunny, Dracula, the Keyboard Elves, Jack Frost, Bugs Bunny, Winnie the Pooh, Bigfoot, and the Loch Ness Monster. Thank you for your continued support. If you are interested in sponsoring mediocre content, please contact us by Owl or Seance. No, but really, though, you can contact us at MediocreContentPodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at MediocreSquawks, or Instagram at MediocreContentPodcast. Also, if you like these fake ads, or if you're sick of them and want real ads, rate us five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Mediocre Content Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the ad. Um... (laughs) Okay, so mushrooms are, just for another definition, are the conspicuous umbrella-shaped fruiting body <laughs> of the of certain, of certain <sighs> fungi. Some of them, they call me that, too. <laughs> My fruiting body. body. <laughs> Creepy. Going through puberty, fruiting body. <laughs> oh, my God. New, um, what was the class called? Like, uh... I forget what it was called. It uh, education, health, health education. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sex ed. <sighs> sure. Nobody calls it that. Nobody. Um. Okay, so typically fungi in the order of are agaricales. Ag- agaricales sounds like a Greek yeah? philosopher. <laughs> I know. Um, in the phylum. Basidiomycota, which was way easier to say somehow, <laughs> um, but also some of the other groups. Um, so that's typically what we'll be talking about, like those yeah. those yeah. particular ones. Um, 
if you don't know what a phylum and uh, order are, then go back to your high school biology class. They will tell you. Um, Popularly, the term mushroom is used to identify the edible um, sporophores. The term toadstool is often reserved (laughs) for inedible or poisonous sporophores. Um, which makes sense because that's what the witches use. The witches use toadstools. <laughs> witches, please confirm. Poisonous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> please reach out and confirm which confirm. ones you're using. Um, we're using to... the toadstools, which are the poisonous ones, and the or edible use... ones are, are using mushrooms. the fruiting body. <laughs> Just so you guys know, that <sighs> is how we're determining that. And that is the scientific way to determine it. <laughs> Is if a witch uses it, <laughs> then it is a toadstool. It is, it is toadstool and poisonous. <laughs> Witches, please confirm. <clears throat> there is, however, no scientific distinction between the two names, and either can be properly applied to any fleshy, ew, fungus <laughs> fruiting structure. The fact that you have used meaty, fleshy, <laughs> slimy fruiting body. Gills in that this is- podcast. <laughs> Disgusting. Where Get are out we? Your bingo card now. Um- <laughs> this wasn't on mine for sure. <laughs> I. This is the this is the language that mm. is used in popular media slash popular artic- science scientific articles about uh, mushrooms. Okay. Well, okay. I need to have this a talk. Is not with them. my language. <laughs> All right. The next thing you're going to hear me say is moist. So get around for that. (laughs) God. Please hold Hold me. (laughs) All right. Um, So edible mushrooms. Commercially important edible mushrooms include portobellos, um, whose forms include button mushrooms, criminy, and baby bellas, and shiitake, Kirsten's (laughs) favorite. (laughs) I have something to say about them. I'll do it afterwards. The morals uh, and false morals or <laughs> lorcals <laughs> are popular, included with the true mushrooms because their shape and fleshy structure. Gross. They are they resemble a deeply folded or pitted cone-like sponge at the top of a hollow stem. Okay. <sighs> Like how they have um, like morals and then they're like false moral. <laughs> uh, yeah. I Okay. So morals mushrooms, I guess, would be I've never heard of these. Are Marcella oh. and Verpa mushrooms. And then the false morals would be <clears throat> Gyromitra mushrooms and Helvella, which I think I've heard of. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Um, some are among the most highly prized edible fungi, the Marcella ones edible truffles are various tuber species which hardly resemble mushrooms are also popularly labeled as such Mm. these are other edible mushrooms and fungi are free of cholesterol and contain small amounts of essential amino acids and b vitamins however their chief worth is a specialty food of delicate subtle flavor and agreeable texture so that was the well edible truffles i think is what they're talking about so agreeable texture yeah i don't know i (laughs) i'm not yeah the texture is what gets me yeah um by fresh weight the common commercially grown mushroom is more than 90 percent water less than 3% protein, less than 5% carbohydrates, and less than 1% fat, and about 1% mineral salts and vitamins. Um, yeah. Okay. So now tell us, tell us about the shiitake mushroom. I have to tell you this because I didn't know this. And apparently this isn't common knowledge, but I don't need a lot of mushrooms. So why would I need to know this? I don't know. Well, you need to know this. So I saw a video of this guy who was continuously going to the doctor and later the hospital because he kept having these scratch-like things and they were so itchy on his back. And it literally looked like claw marks all the way down his back. 
And the doctor's like, well, you know, where have you been? This is probably a rash, you know, let's dive in. Like you haven't been mauled by anything. And he's just like going through his diet. Well, it turns out that at some point previous to getting this crazy rash on his back, he had eaten raw shiitake mushrooms. And Mm -hmm. apparently that is specific because doing so will elicit a rash on your back that looks like that. And I forget exactly what they termed it medically, mm-hmm. but you can get this crazy rash, which is why they always say you have to always cook the shiitake mushrooms specifically. And I don't know if it's just these or if there's other things that can do that or other types, but specific to shiitake in this video, you have to cook them to prevent getting this rash. I don't know. Okay, so according to the National Institute of Health, <laughs> shiitake dermatitis is there you a go. skin eruption that <laughs> re- eruption <laughs> which re- that resembles whiplash marks mm-hmm. and occurs after consumption of raw shiitake mushrooms. There you go. It is caused by a toxic reaction to lintian, a thermolabel polysaccharide which decomposes upon heating. Um hence the cooking. <laughs> how let's see yeah so just cook them and you'll be fine but if you don't cook them you'll probably end up with this rash and according to this guy he ate them and it wasn't until a day later that he got the rash probably because it was digesting in his system so that might take a little bit of time but just so you know cook them i don't know if it happens with other things though like cremini mushrooms i don't know can you eat those raw I don't know if you should. I don't know if you would. Also, if they're 90% water, are mushrooms technically a great hydration source? Well, if you eat them raw. That's <laughs> right. If they're yeah, 90%, yeah. But like you can't like eat raw, all of them yeah. raw, you can't, obviously. Yeah. Uh, do you, you don't know, do the shiitake ones. We just talked about we that, just, so <laughs> I don't know. Um, Maybe we should ask, like, what mushrooms can you eat raw? <laughs> That's probably a better question. I'm looking question. it up right now. Oh my gosh, you're a genius. This is live. Live editing as we speak. Okay. For many commonly consumed varieties of mushrooms like button, oyster, and shiitake mushrooms, eating them raw is generally considered safe, even if they're easier to digest when cooked. That's what Urban Farm it said. Uh, yeah. You know what? The um, digestion is definitely something to consider because like, yeah, it's harder for your body to digest raw vegetables, which is why if you have like a gastro issue, you should always cook your vegetables because they're easier to break down. Ah. Uh, yeah. Commonly eaten raw mushroom varieties include... White mushrooms, criminy, portabellas, and enoki okay. mushrooms. Often used with salads or with dips. Salads? Who is putting these in their salads? Are you That's putting thing. mushrooms in your I, salad? I, I, I'm not because oh. I, mushroom texture bothers me. But like, there. I, um, Maybe I've had wrong. salads before where they've been like finely chopped. And it hasn't been that bad. You know what? Maybe the problem with the texture is after they're cooked, they're a little sluggy. But maybe Mm. if they were raw, it would be like a chip or something. Or like biting into like a pepper. You know? No. No. Oh. (laughs) Okay. Never mind. No. It's like biting rubber. Okay. Oh, all right. Yeah. Gross. Cool. Yeah. Anyway. I Yeah. (laughs) Disgusting. It's rubbery. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Anyway, I know. It's <laughs> this is what it is. My fruiting um, body is very sad. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> ah, what uh, great fun. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Moving on. We're doing great. Uh, form and major groups. Umbrella-shaped sporophores are found cheaply... No. Are found chiefly... In the agaric family, members of which bear thin blade-like gills. Stop with the gills, man. On the undersurface of the cap so with this, from which the spores are shed. So basically your traditional mushroom. Yeah. Okay. A few mushrooms belong to the botalis, which bear pores in a easily detachable layer on the underside of the cap. Um. 
Yeah. I I don't know. Uh, Are you taking more... it off? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> okay. Because there's different shapes, right? So yeah. there's like the, the traditional umbrella shape. Right. And then there's ones that are, look like kind of a cone shape, but then they've got like pores on the outside. Uh, and then there's the tree ones. That and like then there's little the, plates. Yeah. yeah. Right. The plates. And then there's... <laughs> sure that's a scientific the little teeny umbrella ones like the small like tubular ones oh yes okay all right we should just do that 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 made way more sense to me i think so (laughs) the plates you know way more yeah um so the there's cap and stock mushrooms there's ones with pores on the outside um there's thread-like strands like are their roots which are Mm -hmm. called their mycelium and that's like the true fungus this is just the mushroom is like how they reproduce basically Mm -hmm. um and an example would be a honey mushroom yep and mushrooms micella may live hundreds of years or die in a few months depending on the available (laughs) food supply that's that's a big range (laughs) i know as long as nourishment is available mm. and temperature and moisture are suitable, a mycelium will produce a new crop of sporophores each year during fruiting season. You know what okay. I think about when we talk about like fruits and veg and like the parts that we eat and like uh-huh. how the plant the plant spreads its seeds yeah. and things like that. I always think, you know, if I were a mycelium and I was just doing my thing in the dirt and I produced a mushroom and I'm like, I'm going to make all the babies. And then somebody came along and cut my head off and took away my children. It's not your head. It's your baby. <laughs> it took my whole child. It's your baby. Eats mm-hmm. my child. I'd be so yeah. pissed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I worked so long. And now I go from living a couple of years to just few months. I'm out. Like, <laughs> that'd be so upset. Well, I think it depends on the extensiveness of the mycelium sure because you know the mycelium comes before the fungi yes and they can all talk to each other and that's cute and everything but my goodness i know my goodness would i be upset i know i know (laughs) just i did all that work oh anyway yeah fruiting bodies people (laughs) that try to make um like vegetables have feelings and they feel like it's (laughs) vegetable murdering in the event that <laughs> you eat only vegetables but also if i only eat vegetables what else am i supposed to eat can i just say also i don't know if it was you or tyler or a pot some there was a reason i was talking about this at some point <laughs> but that study that they did that if you like pull a leaf off or like cut off a branch it yeah. sends the signals like ah but it's not like verbal obviously it's like electromagnetic singles like the the plant is screaming that you removed a limb and um if you haven't thought about that before uh you're welcome and now you always will (laughs) (laughs) that's how i feel (laughs) so basically the argument is that humans need to learn how to photosynthesize Because we're just doing damage to everything that we're eating. Then we'd be green, which would be interesting. I would love that. It would, we'd be different shades of green, which would be cool. I hope that I would be kind of like that yellow green, um, like the nice yellow green. But then some people would be like a beautiful forest green, which I'd be super jealous of. I volunteer. <laughs> I, volunteer. I volunteer. I'm too pale for that. And I accept that that life. But um, I know that there are some people that would be the most beautiful like hunter forest green and mm-hmm. and now i'm just thinking about green people and we've really continued to derail the mushroom conversation we could we could go on a tangent about the wizard of oz now if we really want to but i think we'll limit that wait i have a dumb question perhaps sure mm-hmm. mushrooms aren't green right how they be eaten again um in the soil in the soil with moisture and they take stuff from the soil because they are a fungus growing in the soil right mycelium right 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 okay perfect they be eaten (laughs) right 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 right, right. i figured out how they be eaten we're good (laughs) no chlorophyll because they are a fungus not a plant correct they yep they're yep it's kind of hard to get that that sunlight in the dirt so correct or in a poo patty for that matter oh geez all right. What You're a fun welcome. thought. 
I could have brought poop into this, but I didn't. I you could have, but I didn't. I, but you know, I feel like there's a place for poop in every pod. We'll find a poop in every pod. <laughs> Alliteration is fantastic. Sorry about that. Anyway. You're not. It's fine. <laughs> um. All right. So. <sighs> Fruiting bodies or something. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So there's a bunch of other different kinds of mushrooms, um, like hedgehog mushrooms, Aww. which have teeth and spines or oh. warts under oh. the surface of the cap. That sounds cute. terrifying. <laughs> um, and there are shelf fungi, which is what we were calling the plate fungi mm-hmm. earlier, mm-hmm. which grow in the side of trees so fun in the forest um very cottage core very cute (laughs) it is very cottage core um they have tubes under the cap um but but they are not as easy to separate easily separatable they are not an easily separatable layer there we go okay um polyspores usually grow on living or dead trees sometimes as destructive pests Um, and many of them renew growth each year and thus produce annual growth layers by which their age can be estimated oh that's kind of cool it is cool um but it's definitely not good for the tree right but i think if the tree's already dead like if it had fallen over i think it's a good way to like break down the tree right a lot of fungi fungi are used to help break down yeah dead plants so and dead things in general did you see that they're trying that they um discovered a bacterium that's breaking down the radiation in chernobyl i did that's so cool bacteria is insane man bacteria is insane which is different from fungi just true out there which is is different different. Mm -hmm. um and we talked about like extremophiles and like the space mm-hmm. uh, series and stuff like these between funguses and bacteria. There's some really crazy things that they can do. It's true. It's true. Um, so and also some examples of these are dryad saddle, uh, the beefsteak fungus <laughs> and the sulfur fungus, the Ew. artist fungus or oh. um, and species of the genus Tramites cute yeah um so then there's the club fungi which are shrub like um or coral like in Mm. growth habit um the cauliflower fungus is one of them there's a lot of scientific names for these by the way but i just can't no it's a lot struggle through them um as so the cauliflower fungus has flattened clustered branches that lie close together, giving the appearance of a vegetable flower, cauliflower. But different. So please but don't different. just mistake yeah, don't it. Eat it. <laughs> don't eat it. Yeah. And then there are the cantharelloid fungi, which are club cone or trumpet shaped. Um, and they have ex- an expanded top bearing coarsely folded ridges along the underside and um are descending along the stalk so um some examples include the highly prized edible chanterelle mushroom um the horn of plenty mushroom puff balls <laughs> which if you've seen i think mm-hmm. a lot of people have seen those because they just grow yeah. in the ground randomly very they're fun. fun to like kick yes um, they are and again if i wear my psyllum and somebody so kicked pissed. my children. Okay. <laughs> um, Stinkhorns, earth Ew. stars are a kind of puffball. And bird's nest fungi are usually treated with the mushrooms. Um, yeah. Nice. And that's, those are like unusual forms of fungi. Mm. There's also like um, the jelly fungi and the ear fungus which sound terrible they do. honestly <laughs> um but yeah if you want to look up pictures of those i would recommend it they're kind of crazy yeah yeah um so yes that's a very rough like <laughs> outline of Sounds the different great. types of fungi 
Um, and now we're going to talk about the mushrooms in pulp pop culture movement, which is like, well, it's not really a movement, but like, I feel like every day I look on Pinterest mm-hmm. or, you know, Instagram and there's like mushrooms everywhere and really. cottage core and all yeah. that stuff. And that's the, honestly, the reason why I wanted to do this podcast is because <laughs> I wanted to talk about that a little bit more, but there's not enough on it to like make yeah. a whole podcast so you guys were stuck with all the other stuff so I'm sorry <laughs> enjoy I feel um, like we did a good job yeah, thank you so much yeah, I did a great yeah. job I think I think we did all right it's okay um so anyway when I'm looking up mushrooms I just typed in mushrooms to google first thing that comes up is microdosing mushrooms <laughs> like there is no like this is a mushroom from the encyclopedia britannica no, no it's like we know what you this want is how we can buy <laughs> mushrooms to microdose so that's very popular and apparently it's like a millennial thing yeah i don't really know sure i don't know um i have not i'm not in that vein no judgment to people who are like good for you i've heard a lot of people have a lot of success with their like treating their mental health with that kind of stuff um not for me yeah not not for me either and you know do your own research on that and go for all that godspeed (laughs) yeah um so, um, so my question going into this was kind of like, you know how, if you're a millennial, you'll know, um, growing up our like aesthetic was like that owl necklace yes. and like zebra print and mm, chevrons, chevrons, bright colors, bright Only. colors. Yeah. 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 So I think now Gen Z and maybe Gen Alpha are more their owls and their like zebra mm-hmm. print chevron is mm-hmm. like mushrooms, checkered print, um, yeah. that kind of stuff, which you know I love, by the it, way, I have mushrooms great. like on my desk. I like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm obsessed. I have a checkered print blanket. Like I love it. I think it's way better than what we came up with, to be honest. It's like maximalism to like minimal maximalism to like minimalism like that's the thread that it's going down for the generations right yeah and and like cottage core is in now right again obsessed with so pretty yeah um so pretty definitely like loving the nancy myers like Mm -hmm. you know cottage Mm -hmm. beach cottage vibe you know um so when young people were obsessed with pineapple. So I guess millennials also based on these articles, which I miss the pineapple thing, but apparently millennials were like obsessed with pineapples as well. Uh, from my understanding, pineapples mean something else. And I was not a part uh-huh. of that. Yeah. <laughs> so no, So I don't know how that developed. If you know, you know, but like, <laughs> I did not, I don't, understand. I, I don't know. Anyway, I don't, I don't even like eating pineapples. They're disgusting to me. Yeah. I don't understand how we, I, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, so mushroom shaped, everything is having its day with the fungi on lampshades, candles, and rugs. You could fill a whole street with over 9,000 results for mushroom decor available at target specifically. Mm. Wow. Which includes figurines, Christmas ornaments, and prayer flags, prayer flags, I guess. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) All hail the gills. so gross blame it on legalized psychedelics or an interest in cottage core which fetishizes country living weird core or the internet aesthetic of of things that look confusing disorienting or purposefully ugly is also a gen z phenomenon and what's more weird core than a mushroom trip so this article this article is weird i don't know (laughs) over the past few years it's clearly written by like gen x or something Uh, for sure over the past few years gen z has overthrown millennials as the arbiters of what designs trends (laughs) young people consider cool millennial gray and millennial pink are out and gen z staples like wavy checkerboard prints and mushroom lamps dominate the zeitgeist so all that to say this article makes the um point that gen z and millennials are more alike in terms of like the trends in which we have gravitated towards and i will make that argument now so (laughs) right this moment (laughs) according to this 
TikToker Reeves Conley. Mm-hmm. He has a viral video that basically says the Gen Z version of Chevron is the checkered pattern. Okay. And he makes a lot of these other different <clears throat> um, comparisons, which I thought was really cool. Hmm. Um, so like the mushroom themed decor is the Gen Z version of the millennial pineapple. Um, and like, Gen Z clamshell decor is more of like millennial sea urchin decor. What? Um, yeah. What is sea urchin decor? <laughs> Was I just like not actually a millennial? No, you weren't. <laughs> Wait a minute. No. Also, what's clamshell decor? It's like um, I I can't describe it. You're gonna have to look <laughs> oh, it up. I God. it's like. What is sea urchin decor? <laughs> anyway. Hold on. <laughs> okay. All right. Millennial sea urchin. <laughs> Go ahead. Gen Z colorful coffee table books compare as compared to millennials Tom Ford coffee table book or the Chanel coffee table book. Um, Gen Z squiggle mirrors to millennial geometric hanging mirrors. And then the cowboy hat Western theme that Gen Z likes so much to millennials hat and mustache, which I know you knew about that one. I had a mushroom, uh, mushroom. I had a mustache wallet for sure. Yeah. Um, Gen Z cow print, millennial zebra print. Gen Z neon strip lights, millennial fairy lights. Uh, Gen Z mushroom to millennial owl necklace. So... (sighs) All right. Yes, ma'am. Are you? <laughs> Her inner just... grandma is not pleased. <laughs> just so confused. I think when they say sea urchin decor, yes, there were sea urchins. I never had. You know what it is? It's just seaside trends, right? So if you enjoy, for example, uh, like that seaside beach aesthetic then it probably went from like large pieces with like fish and sea urchins and dolphin statues to like, nobody wants your input on this, to putting like more minimalist sea designs, like more white out, more muted colors, more uh, simplistic looking, but beach-esque designs. Yeah. I don't remember pineapples being a big I don't thing either. At all. I don't either. So I, I wonder I where they got that. Of, I remember a lot of these. I don't remember. The only one I don't remember is the pineapple. Well, whether it's foraging, eating, decorating, we want to know what you think about mushrooms. And of course, about this episode, you can send us an email, of course, at mediocrecontentpodcast at gmail.com. You can head on over to Instagram, TikTok, Yield, YouTube, whatever you'd like, and drop us a comment or a DM at the same exact handle. Or you can always catch us live over on Yield Twitch um, every other Thursday. That's 6 p.m. EST, 3 p.m. PST, or 11 p.m. BST, and rate us five stars wherever you listen to your podcasts. We greatly appreciate it, and we will see you guys next week. This has been Mediocre Content. Thanks so much for listening. Cheers! Cheers! <laughs>